Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Preventive Medicine Podcast. In this episode, we're doing something a little bit unique and something that we haven't really done. Um, but first, if you guys are brand new to this uh, podcast, then first off, thank you for uh, joining and clicking on this episode. We hope you find some value in it and hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, um, make sure to go check out the rest of our episodes because we think we have a lot of really good episodes that you could probably find beneficial if you found this one beneficial. Um, and if you're returning, welcome back. We appreciate your continued support. Um, with that being said, um, this episode, I'm going to be talking with one of our team members, uh, Jonathan Alessi, kind of about weight loss, because um, the idea behind this is that weight loss is something we talk about in a lot of our episodes, um, and it obviously has tremendous benefits um, given the right context. So both of us have lost a significant amount of weight. So we're just going to kind of dive into that. But first, let's get this intro. Overcoming saber-toothed tigers and woolly mammoths, we must now face a new enemy ourselves. With the rates of diseases such as heart disease, stroke, diabetes, depression, and many others ballooning, we must find a better solution to these modern epidemics. Welcome to the Preventive Medicine Podcast. We believe in building a foundation of health by means of prevention so that you can build the life you want and find fulfillment with no barriers. Hear from experts around the country on how to take your health into your hands. Take control and build a foundation of health for the life that you want to live. And now, here's your host, Raghav Sharma. Hello, everyone. So we are here with John uh, Alessi, who is a member of our podcast, I guess. John, you've been on the show before. I guess you just want to give a quick intro again, just to give uh, people a reminder of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Um, I am so my name is Jonathan Alessi. Uh, I'm a medical student at IU School of Medicine. I'm in the uh, MD PhD program, so I'll be in medical school for uh, another five years or so. Um, long trek. Um, yeah, and I, I powerlift for fun. Um, and in the context of this podcast, uh, I've uh, yeah lost a significant amount of weight um, that happened about two or three years ago. So. Yeah. Definitely. And as I was telling John before this episode, uh, this is a little bit different than our traditional format, I guess, because typically it's me interviewing someone. But in this one, we're kind of just going to have a conversation. Um, John's going to ask me questions. I'm going to be asking him questions. We're just going to talk about it and hope you guys can find some value in the content that we're going to be discussing. So I guess the first thing I'm going to ask you, John, is you wrote an article for our website actually called, Can I Be Healthy Without Weight Loss? Um, can you talk about that article a little bit and kind of, uh, I guess, weight loss as a benefit in preventive medicine? Yeah, so um, I this the idea for this article came from uh, my sister actually. So my sister was asking, um, kind of, you know, do I really need to uh, lose weight in order to to be healthy? Can I be healthy um, and and not uh, go about losing weight? She was kind of reading um, some of these uh, uh, books, um, um, but health at every size, uh, you know, uh, that basically. Uh, talk about this idea that, yeah, we uh, can be healthy and uh, be at, you know, very different sizes. Um, and uh, so I kind of wanted to uh, get into the literature around that and uh, see like what the actual um, evidence says. And, and um, yeah, for the, for the most part, that is true. You know, like you can um, be heavier, um, uh, have some excess adiposity and still be healthy. Um, that being said, uh, I think that there are, uh, a lot of situations in which losing weight can be extremely beneficial. Um, and you know, so 
Um, like when we think about the benefits of weight loss, uh, I think Raghav and I are uh, pretty similar in our view on preventive medicine and, and why preventive medicine is important to us. And a lot of it has to do with um, what I'm going to call affordances, which is a term that I'm stealing from um, some uh, work done by uh, Peter Stilwell and Sabrina Connix. And it's this idea that like um, our affordances are those things in our world that we uh, feel that we can interact with, right? So um, before I lost weight, uh, and this also has something to do with fitness, um, but I was unable to do things that I wanted to do, right? So like Raghav just run, ran a marathon <laughs> and that's something that I want to do now, but that I never would have even considered before. It wasn't something that I thought that I could uh, even potentially do. And um, so uh, when we think about weight loss and preventive medicine, um, I think the most important thing, the biggest benefit that we can get, get from it is uh, having this ability to think of ourselves as people who can do whatever it is that we want to do. Definitely. And with that being said, <clears throat> sorry, I'd say lunch. With that being said, um, I can also say that you don't necessarily have to lose weight. You don't have to be like a 160 pound person to run a marathon. I currently weigh to be like frank, transparent. I weigh 235 pounds. I competed in my last powerlifting meet in March at around 235 pounds. I didn't lose any weight during my marathon training and I was okay. Sure. I probably would have been a little bit faster and maybe had a little bit less impact on the joints at a lighter weight, but I was still able to do it. Um, so the affordances are kind of um, stealing your word now. It's based on what you want to do at your level. So if there is something that you're being limited by, then definitely the goal of preventive medicine is to help you get to a state um, physiologically, mentally, wherever you need to be so that you can do those things. So that's kind of the idea behind it. But with that being said, weight loss does have tremendous benefits. And I guess kind of the marker that we use in medicine for uh, being a healthy weight is BMI. Now, in like fitness circles, BMI is often um, given a bad rep because everyone says, oh, BMI is a terrible measure because if you have muscle, it's going to throw it off. However, in the general population, BMI is still a very useful measure. Um, and when you start using it with waist circumference, which when you build adiposity around like the uh, central part of your body, kind of like the belly, the hips, that area, it becomes super useful. And we find in the data pretty consistently across the board that all health markers tend to improve within a healthier BMI range. Um, so that's kind of where this idea of weight loss helps, especially if someone is at a higher BMI, not necessarily due to being a bodybuilder stepping on the Mr. Olympia stage for those people who have like BMIs of 40. Yeah. My favorite part of the, the BMI debate and, you know, so uh, I power lift. And so a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, you hear BMI is bad because, um, you know, it catches people who uh, are heavier because of muscle mass. And in reality, uh, BMI has a really high specificity and a really low sensitivity, meaning that um, it's actually uh, really likely to not catch you if you do not have obesity, right? Um, and I think that's uh, always really funny to me is, is it's actually the opposite is it's like the failings of BMI are actually the opposite of what is usually thought. So it's more likely to, um, yeah be less sensitive and miss people who, <laughs> who uh, it's going to miss people who do have excess adiposity. Yeah. I, this is why I refrain from getting to sensitivities and specificities because I trip myself up and then I sound like a fool. So I never really talk about those, but you're a little bit more better. You're better with those uh, than me because your PhD background. So I'll leave that, <laughs> leave that to you. 
But so moving on with this, uh, both of us lost a significant amount of weight and relatively we were able to keep it off. But I want to touch on and ask you, why is weight loss so hard? I know we've talked about this in several podcast episodes, um, but kind of from your perspective, why does weight loss seem to be so hard for so many people? Yeah, um, I so I would say basically the the deck is stacked against you is kind of like, why is it so hard? It, it, you know, every uh, thing that we can, that we have no control over is kind of, uh, against us in this, you know, desire to lose weight. Right. So, um, obesity happens as a consequence of our physiology, um, interacting with our environment. Right. And so our environment right now, it, the term that is used in, in the literature is, is the environment's obesogenic, um, meaning that there are, uh, lots of ways to, um, overeat and to eat, um, very highly palatable or, uh, so highly palatable being like really tasty, um, delicious, rewarding foods, um, that are very high in calories. Um, and on top of that, there are, it, our world, it's become much more difficult to engage in like high amounts of physical activity, um, because we have things like cars and, uh, you know, uh, computers and all these other things. Um, and so basically at every turn kind of your, uh, the environment is stacked against you. And then on top of that, your physiology is also saying, you know, we don't want to lose weight. <laughs> your physiology, uh, when you start to lose weight, uh, starts to shut things down to make it, uh, more difficult for you to lose weight. And then also increases your hunger drive. Um, so yeah, basically the, the decks against you. I don't know. What do you, what were your thoughts on this, Raga? I mean, that's essentially what I was going to say. That's been echoed by all of essentially our podcast guests where at every step of the way, it's kind of um, against you in anyone's drive to lose weight. From the personal standpoint, it comes from like the food environment that we're all raised in as children. A lot of times we don't have like the... Um, ideal quote-unquote environment and a lot of times we are in obesogenic environment especially for those in lower socioeconomic um, areas where they might not have access to exercise as easily or healthier quote-unquote foods um, so it starts then so sometimes we don't even have control of it when we're children and then you grow up in that environment that's kind of all you know um, as you're saying physiology stacked against you. if you do try to lose weight then you have these counter uh, regulatory measures that say hey What's going on? I don't want to lose weight because throughout our evolution, we're kind of programmed to keep weight on in case something happens, in case there's like a sudden drought, sudden famine, whatever happens, we're kind of programmed to keep the weight on. So that's the physiology aspect. And then also, like you were saying, even if someone's out of a socioeconomic environment where it's um, more difficult to maintain a healthier weight, even then we have fast food everywhere. We have convenience everywhere. Amazon will deliver whatever you want to your door. Uber Eats will deliver whatever you want to your door. Um, it's difficult to exercise. And even in cities where typically you would um, get out, walk and be more active, even that's becoming more difficult these days um, just because I guess things come to your door now. So you don't really need to go anywhere anymore. Um, and then people are moving to suburbs, um, urban sprawl where things get further and further apart as people move. So now you go in the car instead of biking places, you don't walk. Overall, it's very difficult. We're not going to get <laughs> even more deeper into it. But weight loss is really hard. So this yeah. is why uh, I decided or I wanted John to come on this podcast and both of us kind of talk about our journey with weight loss. So John, how much weight did you lose and over what period? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I just want to go back to the previous question yeah, sure. really quickly. So um, 
the other thing that I'll mention here is uh, stress uh, is another like, oh, really important thing that drives uh, food intake, right? So uh, I'm a neuroscientist. Um, and when we uh, have mice and we stimulate the parts of their brain that uh, make them really like stressed out and anxious, uh, they like impulsively uh, start uh, uh, or compulsively start eating food, like massive amounts of food and will put on a lot of weight. Um, and this is also true. Like when you see stressed out people, a lot of time they also put on weight. And Give me that ice cream and yeah, all the we, chocolate when you're stressed. We happen to live stressful lives. So. <laughs> yeah, that's another way that uh, that can kind of, yeah, have the deck stacked against you. Um, but in terms of, of my weight loss, uh, I uh, lost uh, approximately 90 pounds, I believe, was the like um, most recent. And uh, it took me, so uh, I believe... And when I say 90 pounds, I'm kind of estimating because I, uh, was in a headspace where I would never have weighed myself, you know, like that would have been a really, um, uh, hard thing for me to do. And so I never weighed myself, but my senior year of college, I looked, uh, very heavy. I have pictures and I think like just based on estimates, uh, I was probably like 265, 270, um, and so that's where the 90 pounds is coming from. And so it took me from the end of college. Um, I, uh, moved to Mexico where I, uh, you know, my only mode of transportation was walking or using a bus. And I also kind of like I changed my lifestyle a lot when I was down there. I, you know, uh, ate a lot less. Um, there were a lot, there was a lot less alcohol in my nights, uh, in college. Um, <laughs> And, uh, so I, I lost a fair amount of weight just from like being in Mexico. And then, um, after that, uh, I went through the first year of medical school. Um, and after my first year of medical school is when I really started like lifting and, um, getting interested in like health and nutrition. And that's when I lost another 50 pounds around. Um, and so I guess the 90 pounds took me three years or so to, to lose. Um, Got it. Like so what do you, what do you weigh right now? If you don't uh, mind me asking, by the way, this, this entire episode is going to be, we're going to be frank and transparent with you. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. So I weigh 180. Uh, I, uh, am in the 183 or yeah, 83 kilo weight class at, in USAPL. Um, I honestly would like to go down to a 74 kilo weight class. Um, but yeah, it just hasn't, been in the cards recently. Sure. Um, and if you have an estimate on your BMI, what would you say right now? I oh, I know we I don't really 26. track it that easily. <laughs> I yeah, I uh I think it's like 26, something like that. Got 26 it. and a half. Okay. So, I think mine was actually pretty similar in terms of uh the magnitude of weight loss. So, my weight loss started when I was a junior in high school. So, at that point, um I actually did weigh myself um because I decided it's time to lose weight and I was like I don't know, quote unquote, real with myself. So I wanted to see what my starting point was. So from my memory, I was in the upper 250s. I believe at some point I reached 260 because I weighed myself after I started like exercising, losing a little bit of weight just to feel maybe a little bit better about myself. So I'd say I reached around 260 pounds. And this was when I was like still five, like eight, five, seven, somewhere around there because I hadn't hit my full growth potential or whatnot. And then um, over the period of my junior year of high school, senior year, and then freshman year of college, I came down all the way to about like the high 160s, like 168, 169. So 
around 90 pounds as well. And I guess that's over about um, what, two and a half to three years as well. So we have very similar trajectories there. Um, a lot of what I did, I guess we'll talk about that, like methods and whatnot coming up. But right now, I guess to compare, I weigh 235. Um, so I weigh only 25 pounds ish less than what I did at my maximum. However, my body composition has significantly changed. Um, I put on a, like a fair amount of muscle in that time. Um, I would estimate right now my BMI is between like 32 and 33. And I will say that I'm carrying a fair amount of fat mass right now. Um, I can't say like I'm, I'm good with it. I feel great. I feel healthy. All of my numbers have been fine. But I would say my body fat percentage still is around like uh, probably close to 20-ish percent. So I have a little bit of work to do there, but I'm happy where I am right now. So um, let's get into the methods now. So you said you kind of changed your lifestyle when you moved to Mexico. Um, did you use any specific methods or was it kind of just like an overall lifestyle change? Yeah. So um, I, uh, when I moved to Mexico, uh, I, the intention wasn't really like, I wasn't necessarily trying to lose weight, right? Like I just uh, went from, uh, one lifestyle, which was, you know, living life in college, um, with, you know, all my friends that I had around and, you know, I had a car and I was on college campus. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't like walk a whole lot. You know, my college campus was small. Um, and then moved to Mexico where, uh, you know, just <clears throat> getting to work, I probably had to work. I had probably had to walk like 30 minutes a day, which is, uh, you know, right there meeting physical activity guidelines. Um, and, uh, I, uh, also, you know, had less opportunity to like socialize and, and I just ate these really hyper palatable foods a lot less often. Um, so yeah, I guess changing my environment and my, the context that I was in is probably the, the most important thing in, in that sense. Um, the real like intentional changes came, uh, later when I, uh, started uh, lifting and, and exercising mm -hmm. and then, um, yeah, trying to get involved in, in nutrition and, and health more generally. And that's when I really said that, you know, I want to lose weight. And, uh, I think, uh, the important things again, that I did there, which, uh, you know, um, I very intentionally, uh, changed my environment to make it easier for me to lose weight. Right. So I did things like I, um, didn't have any food in my apartment at the time. Um, I was living in Indianapolis, uh, doing, uh, a, uh, uh, two month long, um, lab rotation. And, uh, this was a time where I still had a house in Terre Haute, but they, I had to live in Indianapolis. Um, and so I, uh, didn't really have access to a lot of like uh, my normal apartment house type things. So I couldn't really like cook, uh, with the apartment that I was in. And so I didn't have any food in my apartment whatsoever. I ate out every meal and, uh, I like limited the times when I would eat. Right. So I stopped snacking and I said, you know, I'm going to eat during lunchtime and at dinner time. And those are the only times that I'm going to eat during the day. Um, and that, that was, I would go to like, um, very specific restaurants where I knew that they would have, um, food that I, uh, uh, both liked and was, uh, met my like standards for health that I came up with. Um, 
and then I also had like, I pre-made uh, plans. So uh, uh, when I felt that I was like getting hungry and the times that I wouldn't, that I told myself that I wasn't going to eat during, um, I would like go take a walk. Um, and then also during this time, I was also uh, beginning to work out. So I, I started the, um, I went to the gym uh, three times a week during this time, uh, initially three times a week and then uh, five times a week uh, after the first month. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, I would say it sounds like the key for you was changing environments and putting yourself in a position where your environment kind of didn't force food on you in a way where you were in Mexico, obviously out of the States where things maybe are more hyper palatable and easier to access. So that was huge for you. And then after that, you're kind of in an apartment where you don't have food. And we all know you get munchies at some point and it's just hard to stop eating. When you get a pack of Oreos, you can't just eat two. You always end up eating a sleeve. Yeah. Sounds like the environment was huge for you. Yeah. I think um, most people would be very surprised by how much of a difference it makes just putting food in a cupboard, like just uh, making it so that it's not visible. I Yeah. I, I think most people would be really surprised at how much that's that that's kind of the concept of friction i know when people think about like uh getting work done like the productivity world they try to reduce friction as much as possible so that you can get work done for example if you're filming a podcast like what we are um, instead of kind of having to put everything together from scratch you have a studio ready so you don't have to do any of the busy work you kind of just sit down press record and you're good to go so it's very similar with weight loss where instead of kind of having all those foods easily available just sitting on the counter now you put them away either behind a cupboard, you put them in like some sort of Ziploc or whatever those plastic containers are with lids. So now it's harder to get to them or you just don't have them in the house at all. So now you either have to walk to the store to get them, you have to order them, just all these different steps. So it definitely helped for you. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of uh, friction as a term for that before, but that's, that's oh, cool. yeah, I like that. Yeah, so increasing the friction for food, decreasing the friction for productivity is kind yeah. of the way to put it. Um, my, my story is a little bit different than that. So I started in high school and in high school, misinformation and just whatever else is rampant. So my journey started with Googling how to get a six pack. And obviously when you Google that, you're not going to find some evidence based material, especially back then first. So you're going to find some clickbait, whatever it is. So I started off with the six meals a day and working out like an hour and a half every day, um, to try to lose weight. And I also did not have a really good understanding of what food is because um, my parents obviously cooked most meals for me. So I didn't really know the nutritional contents of food. So kind of whatever he was saying, I would eat. So for example, if and I was also vegetarian. So this is kind of a funny example. If he would say you have like six ounces of pasta with like some grilled chicken, instead I would just have six ounces of pasta and that's it. That would be one of my six meals. And then you'd have like the five almonds and a protein shake. And that would be one of my meals. So kind of fell for everything there. But I did see results because right away you limit a bunch of calories. Um, if you take whatever diet you were on and then you go to some sort of more restrictive diet, whether or not it's optimal, quote unquote, whether or not it's healthy, where it's the right way. If you restrict calories, you're going to lose weight. So I did see some benefit there. I started working out right away. So I started increasing a little bit of muscle mass. And um, when you're a newbie, when you're just starting you're more than likely going to increase muscle mass, even if your nutrition isn't right, you're not eating enough protein, quote unquote, because it's a new adaptation, your body's kind of ready for it. Um, so it started out that way. And then eventually I started researching more and more of like how to do this, because I've I'm a relatively inquisitive person, I was interested in the sciences. So from there, I started 
uh, finding more evidence-based YouTube channels, started reading more articles, reading more blogs. Then I realized, oh, there's something to this calorie counting thing. Um, so then I started using my fitness pal and I think my fitness pal was the key for helping me lose weight as it kept me accountable, um, to a certain number of calories every day based on whatever my goal was. So I essentially just had my fitness pal as my Bible. It was my food Bible. If I went over my cal or if I went near my calories, I was done. That's it. It didn't matter if it was at like 1 PM, 2 PM, or if it was at like 10 PM, I just stopped eating after no matter how hungry I got. So that was kind of the way that kept me accountable. And I kind of used that throughout the entirety of my weight loss. Um, and I think I started somewhere, if I can remember correctly, I don't remember the top number. I think I started around like 2,600 calories. And by the time I ended, I was eating like 15 to 1,600 calories, which obviously is not necessarily enough for, I don't know, whatever activities you want to do, but that's where I got to. I'm not saying you have to eat that amount. I probably shouldn't have said a number to begin with, but uh, <laughs> that's where I ended up. And then... I guess that was it. And then throughout that entire period of two and a half to three years, I just read as much as I could, learn as much as I could. So my exercise programming got a lot better. I got into powerlifting um, my freshman year of college and started learning a lot more about that, about effective programming. So everything just kind of started coming together. However, my food choices at this time were still just the cafeteria. Um, so within those calories, I was still just eating whatever I could find, I guess. And it was a little bit more difficult as a vegetarian. So a lot of that would be just like slices of pizza and I'd estimate the calories and I'd try to fit it within there, but that would be it. I wouldn't really focus on fruits and vegetables and things, just calories are king. And that's kind of where the bulk of my weight loss came from. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's uh, really cool how different our initial like uh, weight loss kind of uh, the way that we did it, the way we went about it was. and uh, you know, we're, we were both successful. And so I think, um, and this is true, you know, in the scientific literature as well, that there are a lot of ways to go about losing weight. Um, and I think finding the one that's best for you is, um, uh, yeah, the best thing, right? So like it, there's not one for every single person. Definitely. And I think that um, that is one of the biggest things to realize when it comes to weight loss is that when you find all these people on YouTube, read these blogs, they have their one particular method. And it sounds like that's the only one that's going to work, but it's not. There's so many methods out there, as you were just saying, just whatever works for you and your lifestyle is probably the best. We want to take a quick break to remind you that this podcast is not intended for medical advice and is for educational and informational purposes only. We also want to remind you of our Instagram page at PreventPod, where we share various content relating to each episode that you can share with your friends if you enjoy our episode. And lastly, don't forget to sign up for our mailing list so you know right away when an episode goes up at www.thepreventivemedicinepodcast.com. And with that, let's get back into this episode. All right. So we kind of talked about the magnitude of our weight losses and kind of the methods that we used. Um, we talked about the overall success of, I guess, our weight loss and the magnitude from going to around top weight to 260 to like 170-ish. Um, what failures did you have during that time? Was it completely linear? Did you have a period where like you rebound a little bit and then got back with it and then came back down? Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. It was not linear at all. Um, this is one of my favorite things to talk about in terms of weight losses. Um, kind of a lot of people, uh, especially when they start losing weight, they get really discouraged, uh, by their first, you know, like hiccup. And yeah, I mean, um, this is also, uh, another thing with like my, uh, uh, kind of 
mental process going through weight loss was I, uh, especially the beginning, I was really fearful that I was going to regain weight. So like every pound that I lost, I was very afraid that I was going to regain it. Um, and I remember I went on vacation pretty soon after I started, uh, losing weight with, uh, my friend who, uh, kind of introduced me to, to, uh, health. Um, and, uh, I remember I was like afraid he made like a pancake breakfast or something. And I was like, I can't eat that. <laughs> and he was like, just eat it, man. And, uh, I still think about that a lot. Like that was very formative, um, for like, just kind of like relax, you know, like, uh, this is a process that's going to take you know, Raghav and I both took three years. Um, uh, but yeah, no. So, uh, it was definitely, uh, an up and down process. Um, I think I made it about, um, uh, three months and it was relatively linear. Um, although there were like, you know, small fluctuations in my weight, of course. Um, uh, and then at about three months, I kind of started to like, plateau. I think at this point I was like 205, 210. Um, and my goal at this point was to get down to 185. Um, and, uh, this was in my transition back to, um, so I was in Indianapolis at the beginning of my weight loss. And then I moved back to Terre Haute. Um, and yeah, trying to transition back and then also be back in this social environment where, um, you know, I, these people knew me as somebody who, um, was not super in, involved in like trying to maintain my weight and, and eat healthy and all of these things and trying to like reintegrate myself and, and, uh, establish this kind of like new identity. Um, that was definitely like difficult. Um, but, uh, after a little while of kind of, you know, uh, asserting myself and, uh, kind of sitting down and, and intentionally trying to figure out, you know, how do I go about, um, doing this in a way that, uh, is healthy. Um, uh, you know, I figured it out and kind of got through it. Um, yeah. What Definitely. about you? What were your like major I, thing? Was? I was just going to say, I can see it's difficult when you kind of reintroduce yourself as a new quote unquote person. Um, when it comes back to like family, friends, because everyone knows he was a different, like completely different person where, Hey, do you want this bag of chips? Sure, I'll eat it. But now you're more conscious about that decision. So that's got to be a difficult period. Yeah, no. Um, so I, I don't know about you. I was the person, you know, like if uh, somebody didn't finish something at a meal. You know, oh, I'm that like was me. Back, yep, right there. That's, Same here. That's my, yeah. And so to, to kind of completely 180 that, it definitely uh, takes some... Um, yeah, some fortitude. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an adjustment period. Um, I did change as well like that. I think, so I guess going back to the beginning of this, my weight loss actually was relatively linear. I didn't really have a period where I had a significant gain. Obviously, there's going to be like fluctuations. Um, when you subscribe to like Cheat Meal Sunday and you have like 20 pancakes in one day, obviously you're going to have some fluctuations. But overall, the trajectory was like pretty steady and linear. Um, however, I would say some of my biggest failures were more mental. Um, rather than like the number on the scale. And that was becoming just a very rigid person and personality where if it wasn't in my plan and it wasn't in my macros, it wasn't already thought out at the beginning of the day, I wasn't going to eat it. And if it wasn't easily tracked as well, I wasn't going to eat it. Like I said, my fitness pal was my Bible. So if it wasn't in there and if it wasn't easily logged, I wasn't going to eat it, which unfortunately included a lot of my mother's home-cooked Indian food because how are you going to quantify a mother's cooking? 
and put her into my fitness pal you're not so unfortunately i became the person that didn't eat it and made all of my own meals which in one hand taught me a decent amount of cooking because i started making almost all of my food so that, i guess that was a good part of that but the negative part is that my mother was like oh he doesn't eat my food anymore um so that's it's whole other issue but um i became a rigid person which was probably my biggest failure yeah um, i wouldn't I, say failure but biggest biggest downside yeah i i struggle with that as as well especially uh so going into um, so i started uh my weight loss uh in like june and then uh kind of going into like the holidays um and being around family again and all that stuff i definitely uh yeah definitely struggled with like this kind of rigid um idea of how I needed to eat. And I knew cognitively, like I, it's okay for me to eat whatever. And, you know, I, I shouldn't, uh, I should have this flexible dieting like approach because, mm -hmm. you know, I had read all of that and I knew, you know, what should be done, but still, you know, I was so, I remember I, I was so anxious and just so afraid of regaining weight. So by the time Thanksgiving came around, I think I was probably, um, I was getting close to 185 because I had a meet coming up and, um, I just, I was so afraid that like my, my weight loss was so fragile at that time. I, I thought that, um, you know, any like deviation, any small, like one weekend binge and I'd be back at 250, you know, like, yeah. uh, and it, that's just not kind of, that's not how it works basically. Exactly. And, and it took me, I had to, um, after kind of developing more of a rigid style after, you know, prolonged dieting, I really had to take a few months where I did not think about what was going in my mouth at all. I ate whatever I wanted. And, uh, after a couple months of that and really not seeing like a huge difference in the scale or on the scale, um, that's when I really started to like trust myself and kind of, um, yeah, allow myself to, to, live <laughs> yeah for sure and that's one of the concepts that we talk about a lot of this podcast which is kind of avoiding that rigid healthy quote-unquote mindset where you have to eat these certain foods you have to exercise you have to do all these certain quote-unquote correct things to be healthy that's not how this works being healthy is about being in a like body position shape mental space where you can do the activities that you want to while supporting and nourishing yourself so if that means you're eating your mother's home-cooked delicious indian food and it makes you happy, makes them happy. It makes everyone have a good time together. Then you do it. If it means um, eating your grandma's cookies or just cake, celebrating someone's birthday, you can do that within a healthy lifestyle. So that's kind of um, what I evolved to. And it sounds like what you evolved to after some time, but definitely it takes some time to get there because you're, I feel you with the paranoia because you think the second I put this in, I'm going to lose control. I'm going to eat everything inside and become the vacuum again. And suddenly I'm going to balloon back up to 250, 260 pounds. Um, I will say one of my failures though, was, um, after that linear period, um, I was in the idea of cutting and bulking. So I think, you know, where this is going, where that period was my cut. And then I was like, okay, now it's time to build some muscle. And then the idea behind the bulk, what people think when they don't have as much information is that you just start eating and you just eat everything, but you're training. So it's going to become muscle, right? So I quickly ballooned up over the course of a year again from 170, high 160s, back up to like 230, 240 pounds. 
But this was a period where I did gain a significant amount of muscle because this was kind of the first period where I was in a surplus, quote unquote, while training hard because I had discovered how to actually train at this point instead of those random videos that you find on YouTube. So I did gain a significant amount of muscle, but obviously you can't gain that much muscle in a year. So I did gain a significant amount of rebound um, fat. So that was kind of my biggest quote unquote failure. And since then, kind of the entire period of college was in a sense yo-yoing where it had these bulk cut cycles where I went to 240 and then I was like, oh, I'm going to get into powerlifting. I'm going to compete in the uh, 205 pound weight class. So when I cut down to 210 pounds and then it'd be a maintenance for a little bit and then I'd come back up to 230 pounds, just eating and trying to grow and whatnot. And that's kind of where um, when I started medical school is when I really transitioned to more of just like eating to support myself. And I never really had a period where I cut after that because I went from my last quote unquote bulk cycle of getting to like 230 pounds to the kind of transitioning my mentality and trying to nourish myself and support myself for the activities that I want to do. Um, so I've kind of been consistently around 230 pounds since then. Yeah, what were you when you were bulking like your very first bulk what were you doing were you like go mad or what was oh your, no uh, so oh man so this is so at our cafeteria we had unlimited food oh, and that's... um so we had breakfast lunch dinner and there was um oh what was it called i forgot the exact name but it was essentially just like pre-midnight like what it like pizza burgers that kind of thing it's sh- i'm blanking on this name i feel terrible but uh, so that was like a tradition food? Um, no, 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 no. Um, I'm talking about like the thing what they call like that period of eating. So um, all the boys, we just go over there and we like chow down. So I was eating like a bunch of cereal and those kinds of things for breakfast, chugging protein shakes. And then for lunch, it'd be whatever they had, I guess, as an entree that was vegetarian. And then I remember eating like at least three or four slices of pizza every single day because that was something that was readily available at the cafeteria that I could eat as a vegetarian easily and Oh man, I ate a lot of food that year. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've uh, I've never bulked, but uh, we'll see if that ever happens in my future. You, you know, yes, I know. I, right definitely. now I'm not interested, but we'll see. <laughs> I will say though that uh, some of those bulk cycles are the reason where obviously when you're bulking you will gain some muscle mass and i'll say over those bulk cycles where i did gain a significant amount where i think um when i cut down to about 160 like high 160s i would say an estimate i probably have like 130 ish 140 pounds of lean mass somewhere whereas now i would estimate i'm close to like 190 ish pounds of lean mass which would be pretty decent so if i cut down to like 210 it'd be pretty lean at this point um, so I will say that was a benefit of them, but it obviously is not the best thing when you just keep yo-yoing back and forth. At the end of the day, though, I think I still being like a plateau point, I guess, of 230 will still give me a weight loss of 30 pounds, which is pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the yo-yoing, um, that's, you know, my the uh, book Health at Every Size, that's one of the biggest um, issues that they bring up and rightfully so about dieting and, and diet culture. Um and uh, this is what we see a lot with uh, people who diet. And uh, actually, you know, like what uh, Raghav did, it isn't really like what the like we would call like the bad way of doing this is. Usually people will lose lots of weight and then gain more weight than what they had originally had. Um, and you do that a few cycles in all of a sudden you're like much heavier than you were, um, at the beginning. 
and um, so that's one of the uh, major issues that has been brought up as like a risk of potentially like weight loss. Um, so keeping that I think the re I was very fortunate to avoid that rebound. Um, and I think yeah. one of the main drivers of that was kind of um, the performance aspect of it, of bodybuilding slash powerlifting. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what was the kind of driver to keep you maintaining weight? Is there any specific goal that you're looking forward to or is the goal to stay at that same weight? Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I live a very different lifestyle now than I did in the past. And I really like the way that I live. And so just kind of maintaining that, um, I, uh, you know, I do want to maintain my weight. Um, and so that is definitely a thing that I like, um, uh, try to, uh, I, I aim towards that, you know, like that is an intention of mine. Um, I also, you know, weigh myself, which is, uh, relatively correlated with weight maintenance and weight loss. Um, but I think, so like if I am looking, uh, at the literature and not just like from my personal experience, but I'm, I'm actually looking at the science, I think probably the most important thing to do to maintain weight is to exercise. This is what we yep. see. So exercise is not, uh, it's not super great at like, if you just tell people to exercise versus not telling people to exercise to see who loses weight. But if you have an exercise wing and a study, um, they tend to maintain weight loss a lot better than people who don't exercise. Um, yeah, I think I talked about that exact study or whatever, uh, you're referencing in, um, a podcast that is currently unreleased as we're recording this right now, but it'll be up, I think in two weeks from this weekend, um, where I was talking about how exercise actually isn't that great of a tool for weight loss, but when it comes to weight maintenance, exercise is king. And I think that's definitely one of the driving factors. It seems for both of us that kind of kept us, um, weight maintenance at whatever level. So my level ended up being around like between 220 and 230 pounds for maintenance. And I think the combination of exercise kept me there as well as having the goal of trying to compete at the 220 ish pound weight class is where I think, um, most of the time I know I want to stay around that weight because this is where I want to compete. If I get too heavy, then there'll be some big boys in there and I can't compete with those weights. And I don't want to have to deal with cutting down so much where I start losing a significant amount of strength. So I kind of just try to stay around there right now. Um, that might change in the future um, based on what I want to do right now. But that's kind of two of the biggest driving factors is kind of the exercise and the performance aspect and being competitive. And I think that the um, having that goal of something other than the weight, other than the number on the scale is hugely beneficial. Um, in our episode with um, Leah of Barbell Medicine, we talked about how her being in that weight class for her first powerlifting meet and um, setting that goal was kind of the biggest driver for her to start losing weight and for her to maintain that weight loss. Um, so I think that same thing went for me of trying to maintain my weight class and powerlifting really helped me out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use that as a tool also. So, um, I, I think I like very briefly mentioned this earlier, uh, a few minutes ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did a powerlifting meet in December of my first year, uh, within this like weight loss. Um, and that trying to get down to that weight was definitely a really helpful, like motivator of like, I want to be, I need to be 183 by December, whatever. <laughs> um, and I also, you know, I didn't want to people in powerlifting, if, if, uh, people aren't familiar with powerlifting, um, or weight class sports, you, you might water cut before. And I, I didn't want to do that. Um, and so I really wanted to make all of it, uh, like a fat loss. 
Um, and so that was really helpful as well. I've heard Leah talk um, a few times about this and yeah, yeah. definitely. For sure. So if you guys haven't already listened to that podcast, go do so. Um, right now, uh, I hope that was kind of sufficient talking about our history. John, is there anything else you want to say about your kind of history before we talk about present and going forward? Um, the one thing that I, I will say, I guess, uh, I, uh, and I think this is common for a lot of people, I tried to lose weight a million times. Right. Like, I don't know, I, I don't have a number on it, but I grew up, um, in a family where, um, you know, my father had been dieting uh, his whole life since he was in high school, he dieted on and off. Um, both me and my sister have like basically always struggled with our weight. And, uh, you know, I think the first time I realized that I like needed to lose weight was like fourth grade or something like that. Um, cause I was, you know, hefty, uh, and, or I think they called it Husky at the time. I, I would buy like, husky Oh yeah, pants. Um, that was me. And so, yeah, I, I did this a million times. And so what I want people to kind of know is, you know, I didn't just try this once and it worked out for me, you know, like I, uh, did this over and over and over again until I finally found, uh, you know, one way in the right circumstances that worked for me. And so I, I guess I would say like, if this is a goal of yours, uh, don't give up just because it, it fails, you know, five, six times, uh, try it the seventh time, you know, definitely. And to add on to that, I want to say, uh, before we go forward for myself, I lost 90 pounds, but then I regained like what 40 or 50 of it. Sure. My body composition changed, but I still did regain weight and it doesn't have to be like an absolute, you failed if you regain any weight. If you lose a significant amount of weight, you're more than likely going to gain a little bit back. That's just kind of how it goes. Your body will, at the end of your diet, say, okay, we need some actual food now. So, so let's say you lose 100 pounds. Regaining 30 or 40 or 50 is not the end of the world because at the end of the day, you still lost a very significant amount of weight and more than likely um, that benefited your health or whatever you were trying to do or whatever your goals were. Yeah. So you don't have to feel bad about yourself because you regained a little bit of weight. It's still great. Um, you're still in a much better position than you were previously and you still accomplished something. And it's not like that one period is the only time you have in your life to lose weight. Unless you're like at the, I don't know, I, I don't want to say unless you're old, but at any age, you still probably have some significant amount of time left where you can chase other goals. Let's say I'm currently 26. Um, I had this period in three years. I have longer ahead of me where I can, if I want to lose weight, I can do it again. So you don't have to feel bad about yourself for regaining weight either. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, extremely important. And not only, uh, you know, regaining weight, but also, you know, both Raga and I lost, you know, 90 pounds, which is uh, very rare is what I'll, I'll say, you know, like, uh, when we do studies of people losing weight by lifestyle, um, it is nowhere near that for the majority of people. The average is usually like what, five kilos, something like that. And, uh, any amount of weight loss is really going to be beneficial, especially if you have one of these conditions that's associated with excess, um, weight, right? So, um, if you have type two diabetes, um, you know, a, a five to 10% weight loss is extremely beneficial. Um, you know, dyslipidemia, which, uh, is like a high cholesterol for uh, those who don't know. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the, you know, all, for any of those conditions, even small amounts of weight loss is going to be beneficial. You don't need to lose 90 pounds.
Definitely. Um, so where are you right now with kind of your practice and how do you maintain your weight? What is your kind of, how do you structure your day where you're not kind of consistently, or are you consistently thinking about maintaining your weight every day? Or are you just in a, like a routine? What is your day like these days? No. Yeah. So, uh, I try, I've made my, uh, food life as like streamlined as possible, basically. Um, so, uh, I, uh, eat the same breakfast every morning. And, uh, I eat from, uh, I eat very similar things basically every day is kind of what I'm trying to say. So like I have like a default, uh, setting where like, this is what I'm going to eat today. And then if anything, uh, if I want something else during the day, like that's fine. Like I don't, I'm not like rigidly adhering mm-hmm. to this every single day. Right. Like I, uh, still go to Taco Bell every once in a while. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, for the most part I have this like default where like, uh, if nothing happens during the day, if I don't feel like, uh, craving for something or whatever, I'm just going to go straight. You know, I have my oatmeal in the morning with, uh, some eggs. And then, uh, at lunch I have, uh, you know, I, I go to this like same station at the hospital. I'll, it, uh, you know, the hospital cafeteria has like mm-hmm. various stations. I go to the same station and get, um, whatever they have there that day. Um, and then, uh, I generally have a protein shake about two hours before I lift. Um, and then, uh, for dinner, I have, you know, some protein, uh, some kind of vegetable, uh, like a leafy green vegetable and a carb source. Um, so like potato or rice or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it, I've just made it like basically as easy as possible to kind of uh, do that. And then also I have like a default kind of routine day where, uh, you know, I go to work nine to five, I leave work at five and I go work out and that working out is very helpful to my like adherence to, to everything around this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, I talked about myself with the, uh, my fitness spell and that being my Bible. So I do not use my fitness pal anymore. And I kind of told myself that I wouldn't, uh, track my food that like obsessively or that intensely ever again, just because I felt like it took a significant amount of joy out of what I was doing in the process of eating. So I think that food is something that we should also enjoy. It's one of those things that, um, I don't know. I just think we should enjoy it. So I didn't want to really track that much anymore. So I will say that one thing that my fitness pal really did for me, though, was teach me the macronutrients of various foods. So now I feel like I have the ability to look at whatever food item it is and just kind of know uh, intuitively off the top of my head what the macros for this would kind of be, um, kind of how many calories this would have. So that helps me out a lot in navigating throughout my day where um, I can't say I generally function on autopilot like you, although a lot of my meals are very similar, but I do have a decent amount of like fluctuations in the day. I like to experience some variety from time to time. So I will say my base typically is for performance. So I think of whatever I'm doing in that day for whatever the lift is, if I'm going to be competing in powerlifting, or for example, if I was doing uh, my marathon training, which I just finished. So I'd kind of structure my day around that and eat for that performance. So if I had a long run coming up on that, um, let's say the next day on Saturday, that whole day, I'd try to focus a lot more on carbohydrates and try to steer my dietary choices a little bit towards carbohydrates because you need those for a long run and make sure I have adequate protein while keeping the fat a little bit lower. Just that's running nutrition things. 
Whereas if I was doing um, kind of more powerlifting stuff, I'd eat a little bit less carbohydrates because you don't necessarily need as much for powerlifting, but I kind of have more balance while making sure to consume enough protein. And then generally, um, I don't really stick to any specific like macro split. So I'm not trying to do like 40% carbohydrates, 40% protein, 20% fat, kind of just eat. And I focus on trying to eat vegetables throughout the day. Um, typically I try to eat some sort of fruit in the morning with breakfast. Cause I think it fits really well with breakfast. Typically I try to eat some sort of good, um, vegetable source with lunch, vegetable source with dinner. I try to have quality protein with, um, lunch and dinner. And then I try to fuel the carbohydrates around whatever the activity of the day is. So if I'm working out later, my lunch will probably be a lot higher in carbohydrates and my dinner might be a little bit lower if I'm training later, other way around. So I kind of just swap it. I wouldn't say there's anything specific, but it really helps to have that training goal and that performance goal in mind for me to kind of structure my diet around. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that you also uh, struggled with uh, counting, you know, calories or macros or whatever. Um, I, uh, did that for a little while as well. And, uh, yeah, just, I basically found it just wasn't really like a healthy thing for me. It really, I, uh, became very neurotic and like really, uh, yeah, just took the joy out of like eating food. I would have to like, before I ate the food, I, you know, you have to log it or whatever. And, um, so eventually I just decided, you know, I, uh, I actually stole this from, um, Alan Thrall. Um, I do, a. a you know, a serving of, uh, a protein. So whether that be fish, chicken, whatever, and then vegetables. And I eat as many vegetables as I want, um, as well as fruit. I do not care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Same here. I'm not worried about the calories from my like three apples or bananas or whatever that I eat. <laughs> and then, uh, I also have, uh, uh, besides that fruit and vegetable, I'll have, you know, some kind of carb, whether that be like mashed potatoes or mac and cheese or you know, whatever, whatever sounds mm-hmm. good. Um, exactly. but yeah, I, I also could not calorie count. Now I will say that we're kind of making calorie counting sound terrible right now, <laughs> yeah. um, which both of us have p- potentially been scarred by it a little bit. I did it for like three and a half to four ish years of my life. So, um, I felt like I kind of graduated from that quote unquote, but it is still a very effective strategy. It provides yeah. kind of a really objective measure of what you're putting in your mouth. So if you do want to do that, that's a very valid strategy. A lot of people still use it. And honestly, I've been away from calorie counting for quite a bit. And with marathon training, my kind of consumption of food in general went up quite a bit. Um, so I might try calorie counting right now just to kind of re-get a baseline to know where I'm at because I was probably consuming like five to 600 grams of carbs per day during my marathon training because I'm a bigger dude weighing 235 running for these long distances. I needed some food behind me <laughs> to do yeah. that and I didn't lose weight and I had a really short prep. So I just consumed a lot of food to kind of make up for that and my weight stayed the same, which was great. I felt great during my runs. Um, so I might come back to it for a little bit just to re-get a little bit of a baseline. Yeah, no, there is absolutely no, like, uh, nothing wrong with calorie counting or or macro counting. I'm pretty sure, uh, if I remember from a previous podcast, Jason, uh, is macro counting. Yeah, he's, yep, he's Um, still at it. And yeah, it's just, you know, I couldn't do it because it made me super neurotic. And if you find that happening to you, then yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. But otherwise, yeah, it works. I mean, for sure. Tons of people have used that as a, a very, uh, solid method of, of losing weight. So. Exactly. So as we close this out, kind of, um, we don't want to kind of rehash this entire episode, but briefly, what would you give for advice for people who are planning on losing weight or currently trying to lose weight? Uh, yeah. So first of all, um, 
if you're, I, I would make sure that you are indicated for uh, losing weight, basically. So um, if you have a previous eating disorder, I would not necessarily recommend that unless you're working with, uh, you know, a professional, uh, you know, multidisciplinary team. Um, I would also not recommend losing weight if you're pregnant. Um, <clears throat> I would also, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, so my recommendation, if you are, uh, if you have some other comorbidity associated, some other issue associated with weight. So that could be type two diabetes, or it could be high cholesterol, or it could be hypertension. Um, and you are in the obese range, then I would definitely suggest, uh, weight loss. I think that's a great thing. Um, if that doesn't apply to you, if you are, you know, maybe in the obese range or overweight range, but you don't have any, um, issues, um, then it's, uh, more got to do with like, if you want to lose weight, then like, that's exactly probably fine, but, um, it doesn't necessarily need to happen from a health perspective. Um, now going into like actual, um, how you, how I would recommend that you go about doing it is, um, I really like, uh, what I stole from Alan Thrall basically. So like, uh, one protein, uh, one carb and, and some fruits and vegetables at every meal basically. Um, and then I also, um, would recommend like not snacking. Uh, snacking is pretty well correlated with uh, weight gain, and so if you're bulking, then snacking would be awesome. But uh, I really uh, did really well with um, like kind of. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but now I recognize it as like time restricted feeding, where I uh, said, you know, this is breakfast time, this is lunch time, and this is dinner time, and I'm not going to eat outside of those times. Um, and so I I like that idea as well for people. And then, um, also, uh, changing your environment to the extent that you can to make it easier for you. So this kind of reducing friction or, or increasing friction, I guess, uh, increasing friction to food, to access to yep. food and reducing friction to the things that you, uh, want to do. Right. So, yeah. um, putting things in a cupboard, like even that is great. Uh, it, so like I don't have any food out visible, whether it be like fruit or whatever, there's nothing visible in my kitchen. Um, yeah, those are my, uh, recommendations, I guess. Definitely. I, and I guess to add on to that missing one, but no, no worries. <laughs> and to add on to that briefly, reducing friction for things like exercise, such as having your clothes already ready. Um, if you're going to go to the gym after work, then having your gym bag or whatever you need already packed in the car. So you don't have to go home to take another step, then to go to the gym, so things like that going along with constant friction. Um, I think you really did a really good job kind of explaining everything. The only thing I'm going to add on to there is that um, there are numerous ways to lose weight. And if it is indicated and you do want to lose weight, then also know that your method might not be the one that works for you if it's not working currently. There are other methods out there. Feel free to try them. And then the data out there shows that Unfortunately, weight loss is not successful many times. And with that, I'm not saying that you're not going to be successful. Obviously, I wish that you're going to be successful in your pursuit. But what I'm trying to say is that more than likely, there will be some sort of failure in your path. And that one failure, quote unquote, or that one um, hiccup in your journey does not mean that you have to abandon it completely. A lot of times it takes multiple times and multiple approaches to lose weight. And we have time. It's not like there's one chance that you have to lose weight. You can do it multiple times. So if sometimes it doesn't work out, then that's completely okay. Try something else, switch gears. 
know that you are not alone in this journey and that a lot of people, the majority of people will not significantly lose weight. So kind of understand that, take that in stride and switch, pivot, try something else. Because at the end of the day, it's all about you. We're not trying to lose weight for any specific like person or thing or whatever it is. You're doing it for yourself. So kind of um, understand that, know, and just pivot, be able to do that. Um, I guess that's all I have to add. Otherwise, you did a great job. Yeah. Well, so I uh, just want to add in, um, you uh, made me think of of this. Uh, I think something that's really important is kind of like taking the anxiety out of it and um, basically like not sweating the small stuff, right? So like um, worry about the things that really matter and, and don't worry about, you know, like I didn't get, you know, 160 grams of protein today. I got 158 or, you know, <laughs> those, mm-hmm. those kinds of like, uh, just small like details that, uh, you know, in my experience, uh, have caused, you know, like relative amounts of stress for me. Uh, I would definitely recommend just not worrying about that, you know, like definitely. Uh, and then also, yeah. So you were talking about this kind of like, you know, you have tons of time, so don't worry about, you know, I, especially in the first couple weeks, you know, you might not, uh, see a huge change on the scale and, um, or in your, you know, uh, body and just realize, you know, like you, you got to set your expectations and kind of say, you know, this is going to take, you know, potentially it took us three years. Um, you know, this is, this is a process and you kind of have to find the joy in, in the process and, and, uh, really, yeah, try to, uh, enjoy it and try to live your life. And, and keep that big picture in mind. A lot of times when it comes to these goals, like weight loss, you kind of get lost in the minutiae and the details and in the day to day, for example, not hitting your protein for that day. Oh no. Whereas take a step back, look at the big picture. As long as your overall trajectory is on the way that you want it to go, then that's great. You're on track. And if not, then that's also okay. Look at the big picture, see how much time you have reevaluate and you can continue going forward from there. Um, John, I think this was a great podcast. It was uh, relatively honest, I think, that we talked a lot about our personal stories. Um, Thank you for sharing so much. I hope for our listeners back home, this was beneficial. Um, I hope someone got some sort of value out of this. That's what we always try to deliver here um, at the Preventive Medicine Podcast. So thank you. Uh, Sorry. Can I add one more thing? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. uh, I feel like I need to say this. So uh, if you struggle with this, and you are uh, within the, the obese category and you have, so you, your BMI is over 30, your waist circumference is over 40 uh, for men or over uh, 35 for women, I believe, um, 30 inches, by the way, um, then uh, you can definitely seek help from your doctor. We now have medications and you know there are surgical options and that is not a, a failure of any kind on your part that you need need those things, right? Like, I don't think Raghav or, or I use them, but that doesn't, you know, that's not, doesn't mean that we're like morally superior or something, you know, like this is a disease. Uh, I'm not like uh, better than somebody who needs to take hypertension medications. You know, this is just something that sometimes people need extra help. And so definitely see your doctor if that's something that um, uh, you might be indicated for. Definitely. Thanks for adding that in. All right. Thank you for uh, coming on and joining me on this episode. Um, And with that, we're out. Hey, everyone. This is Raghav. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Preventive Medicine Podcast. If you want more content and to join in on the conversation, find us on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at PreventPod. That's P-R-E-V-E-N-T-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one.